to turn today to John's Gospel, chapter 8. We'll be looking in some other places as well. But we began this series on some things that concern Jesus. It's not exhaustive. When I get done with this series at the end of October, you're going to say, but you should have said this, and you should have said this, and you should have said that. And I'm just going to say, okay, next time I'll call on you to say this, and to say that, and say this. Um, but these are just some things that I think point to. And I said last week that the key points in this series um, are lined up with the acrostic of church, C-H-U-R-C-H. And so that's true for today. John chapter 8, verse 12. For us to begin to understand what's happening there, though, we need to understand the context and why he said what he said. What's happening as we come to John chapter 8 is that the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the major Jewish feasts, has just concluded. And what that feast did was it celebrated the faithfulness of God in the harvest, but also celebrated the faithful presence of God in the wilderness wanderings of the people. It's also known as Sukkot. And it was part of, it's actually still part of, Jewish worship. And just a couple weeks ago, Sukkot was just at the start of September of this year. But one of the things they would do when Jesus was saying what he said, one of the things they would do that was probably fresh in their mind was they would nightly light lamps. And those lamps um, would, among other things, they would point to the presence of God in the wilderness wanderings. Uh, the cloud by day, right? And fire by night, right? So these lamps would point to that fire of God's presence lighting the way in the wilderness. And so they would light the lamps every night and they would dance by the light in the night. So that's what's on the minds of the listeners. As Jesus says this, these words you're probably familiar with. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Say that with me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, the moment Jesus says these words, he connects himself to the dramatic act of creation. Do you remember? The first act of creation, God said, let there be light. And I love the way the Bible says it. And there was light. <laughs> Don't you love that? Love the economy of Scripture. Let there be light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. Light boring a hole in chaotic darkness. But the moment he says that, the Pharisees, the religious elite, are furious. Because Jesus has just self-identified with the light-creating, darkness-crushing chaos-eliminating creator God. He is just self-identified with him. He is claiming creative capability that is only reserved for Jehovah. And once again, 
as he does over seven times, seven, other seven times in John's gospel, in those I am statements, once again, Jesus is showing his God credentials. I love that. But what does that have to do with October 3rd, 2021, in this world? What are the implications of the very light and life of Jesus? There's so much, so much here. But really what this is, this is a word of hope for a world of darkness. This is a word of hope. Jesus is the light of the world. This is the world of hope, a word of hope for us, and it's a word of hope through us. He is our hope, and this concerns Jesus very much. He desires to be the light in our lives that creates hope, that generates hope. So this summer, I was sitting at the Kushala Sip Coffee House. There it is. Kushala Sip Coffee House. You know how long it took me to remember the name of this place? This is in Stoneham, Massachusetts, where my daughter Mary Kate lives. So I was sitting there because, because um, I was waiting for an appointment with my daughter and my granddaughter, Lucia. We were going to go and have lunch together, and my daughter told me, come 1230 and I said, well, I'm going early. And I, so I sat like a mile, less than a mile from her house, just sitting there drinking coffee. It was beautiful. It's a gorgeous day. And I'm sitting there. And as I'm there, I was reading um, a paraphrase of 12th century sermons on the love of Jesus by Bernard of Claveau. And every half hour while I was sitting there, I heard this noise. Because across the street was, is a church. And every half hour, they had a bell carol on that would play some music. So I'm just kind of engrossed in my reading, drinking my coffee, probably as engrossed in my coffee as my reading. And all of a sudden, I hear this as I'm reading about the love of God being present with us. All of a sudden, I hear this tune. And as I heard the notes in my ears, and as the song rested in my heart, the words began to form on my lips. So if there was any kind of report of some guy drinking coffee singing in front of the Kashala coffee sip house, it was me. And this is, these are the words that began to form and shape as I was listening to the music. And he walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. And sitting there at that coffee shop, all of a sudden the truth of that came rushing in upon me. And he walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. And maybe I thought to myself, we need to reverse that. And I walk with him and talk with him and tell him he is my own. I shared last week that there's only one place where Jesus actually defines eternal life, John 17, 3. 
And he says this, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This is eternal life here, now, participating, interacting, and relating with the reality of Jesus right now, here with us. So I received a text about that sermon this past week, and this is what the person said. Sermon Sunday really spoke to me. I've been waiting for someone to say it out loud. What I mean is, Jesus, I feel, is sitting next to me when I talk to him. Not some being millions of miles away. He's here with me. Oh God, be my everything and be my delight. So when I ask, is God your delight? Is God here with you? Jesus desires to be the light-creating, very real presence in our lives, and that is hopeful. Is that not hopeful? The Christian life is not to be intended to be a set of religious platitudes or, or some, some strict practices or theological bullet points. But the, it's intended to be life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. If you follow him, he says, there's no darkness here because you will have the light of life. The image is clear. Light leads through the darkness. It brings hope to us so that we will not be lost. Hope that God will bring perspective, understanding, and meaning to life. We find true life. We will have the light of life. Recall the description of Jesus at the beginning of John's Gospel. In verse 4, chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. And then his words in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is is the penultimate definition of life. Jesus makes sense of life. Jesus fills with life. Jesus helps life add together in some very real ways. The philosopher Dallas Willard does say this, which I think is spot on when he talks about Jesus answering the most essential questions of life. Questions people have been asking for ages. What is real? What is real? Well, there's nothing more real than God and his kingdom through Christ. Who is well off? Isn't that the pursuit for many? I want to be well off. Who is well off? Well, those who are alive in interactive relationship with God. How does someone, or who is a really good person? Is it just by doing these good things to gain attention to ourselves? Or who's a really good person? Those whose lives are pervaded by love. And then, how does someone genuinely become a good person? When you place your trust in Jesus Christ and you seek to be his apprentice, his student, you seek to carry this thing out in real life and you seek to follow his kingdom way, which we talked about last week, 
that leads to this being a good life. That is having the light of life. It's not just some platitude. It's not just some set of religious beliefs. It's the light of Jesus himself in us that brings definition. It's made for functional life, functional living. And here's the challenge in all that. Because you know what, the, what we want to default to is, okay, so what's the plan? What do I do? What do I check off? But here's the challenge. We can't manufacture this ourselves. It, it requires something. It requires someone from outside us to work in us. And that actually brings hope. It brings hope in this way. Because in all of our self-help stuff, we often end up back at the same starting point, self. But what this does, it gives us hope that we can become different people. Because, not because of what I can muster up to make myself better, but because Jesus walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. Because the living Christ is with me. This is such a hopeful picture for us. And so the focus is on him. You're going to hear us sing at the end. We're not going to sing any prayers at the end about what do I want God to do? We're just going to sing about how great he is. Because if we focus on him, if we focus on how great he is, he will do the changing. Here's the news. Here's the news. I have not met a single person in my life and ministry that I could change. My hope is, is that the light of Christ somehow has flowed through me, that Jesus has changed people. Because Jesus changes people. Even ourselves. But that's hopeful for us. It's a hopeful picture. It's all throughout the New Testament. Here's a little bit of a Bible challenge. Look up the word light. It floods John's gospel. Paul writes about it all the time. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this. This is so good. For, once, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. If you want to know how to live out this light from Jesus, there it is right there. Live as children of light. Focus on that which is good and righteous and truthful. And then you know what? Find out what pleases the Lord and do that. That's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Find out what pleases the Lord, he says, and do that. In the very person of Jesus, the power is resurrection and spirit's presence. What came into the world is the power and knowledge and ability to live life as God intended us to live it. And so light comes, Jesus comes, and you know what happens first? It's not all of a sudden this, look, the light has come. Sometimes it's that. But then the light begins to bore a hole in the darkness. And it begins to call into question the things in our lives that are not aligned with God's love and grace. 
There's a, there's a word for that we use. It's called conviction. And then what happens is we become exposed because of his light. We become exposed to the darkness of our self-focused rebellion against God and his desires for the kingdom to come. And just as at creation, the light of the world begins to reorder the desires and the affections and the direction of our lives. And we begin to see the world differently. That's how the light works. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. But it's this walking, and we become different people. I'm grateful for the difference he has made in my life. And you know who's especially grateful for the difference he's made in my life? People like my wife and my children. And those people. Because they know the real story. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you have to love these words. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. It's powerful light of the world, Jesus. You heard Jamie quote earlier from the Passion Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. These words just capture it. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness. The same God who said that. The same God who said, let there be light and there was light. This same God is the one who has cascaded his light into us, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. That's all about interactive, participatory relationship with God through Christ. And it's his light. What a great hope we have in Jesus, that he actually does walk with us in this life and that he can move us from darkness to light. What is the darkness that you feel is impenetrable Bring that to Jesus. Don't bring it with your expectation to say to him, okay, now here it is and I want you to do it this way. Because oftentimes God works in ways that are not aligned with how we think he should work. He does want to make us different people. He does want to move us from darkness to light. But this hope comes when we release control of our lives to Jesus. And that's where his light can work. That doesn't mean we walk out of here and everything is just copacetic. There's highs, there's lows, there's pain, there's heartache, there's disappointment, there's failure. But in that, as we surrender, God be my everything, God's light changes us, makes us different. And then something very natural happens. It was so natural that Jesus pointed out how unnatural it would be to do the opposite of this natural thing. Now that I've totally confused you, let me share with you what that is. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount about a lamp. Do you remember? He said, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And he's saying, no one restrains this light. And I know what we mean by that. I know when we see that, we're talking about the light that comes out of us to the world, and we're going to get to that. 
but it starts with us not restraining the light of Jesus in our own lives. Like, for example, saying, Jesus changed me, but you want to make sure you set the conditions for how he's going to change you. Right? That's restraining the light. Or just reading a bunch of scripture and not saying, well, how does that, how does that translate into my attitudes and my struggles? And does, That's restraining the light. So don't restrain the light of Jesus. We need to allow his light to permeate all of life and then according to Jesus, that light comes out of us. Jesus not only said that he is the light of the world, but then he said one of the most scandalous things. And he said this in verse 14 of chapter 5. You are the light of the world. And he was talking to a bunch of ragamuffin-gathered disciples. And people on the side of the hill who had no power. And people who were broken and afraid and trying to figure out what was going on, he said, oh, and by the way, you are the light of the world. Don't restrain this light because you are the light of the world. Brother Jeffrey Tristram said this, God chose you and me. What an extraordinary thing. What a risk. We are the light of the world. We carry that light within us. Ask yourself, how does my light shine before others? How does my life now make a difference to others? Who now needs the light that I have been entrusted with? We've been entrusted as we place faith in Christ, he said, as we follow him. We've been entrusted with this light. How can the light that is in me point others to him who is the light of the world, our Savior Jesus Christ? That's a really important question. How does this light, it's not just about me getting my religious act together with God. What happens? How does this light impact others? You see, hope in Jesus becomes hopefulness because of Jesus. And really, that leads to a life of holiness in Jesus. Now, originally, this series, this sermon was titled Hope and Holiness, Hope and Hopefulness. But I'm changing that because holiness is intended to be hopeful. Holiness is intended to be hopeful. Holiness is about becoming different persons. Holiness is about the optimism of grace. An optimism of God's grace in our lives. that It changes our attitudes and our values. It changes us as people. And there's a word that we use to describe this. The theological word. I'm sure some of you know it. It's called sanctification. Holiness is about becoming different persons. It's the work of God getting into us and making us like Christ. And that can only change how we live. That light of life is intended to naturally flow out of us. And to decentralize ourselves. Hebrews 12.14 says it this way, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a powerful word. I think we talk, we read that verse, and we think, well, that's all about, you know, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's all about, you know, if you don't live a holy life, you're, you're not going to be in eternity with God. 
But I want you to notice something about this verse. Notice the intimate relationship between relating to others and holiness. And notice how we let the light of Jesus in us be seen in the arena of relationships and of the world is a great factor in evidencing hope to the world. Revealing Jesus to the world. Because with holiness, people will see the Lord is the opposite. But it's this hopeful holiness, if you will. What hope is there? Can I ask you today? What hope is there for the world if my life is simply puppeting the current cultural trends or the current political ideologies or the current materialistic and self-serving values. And while the world is watching, what hopefulness is in that for the world from me? You know, I've been very made aware in the last few months of a paradox. Some of the kindest people I know who are focused on the well-being of others, who are the first to ask me, how are you with genuine love? have little or nothing to do with God or church or faith. These are friends of mine, real friends of mine, who would label themselves as agnostic or atheistic or disillusioned. Yet I often see goodness in them in beautiful ways. I love that about them, in fact. Think about one person in particular. He's always wanting to know how I am. But it causes me to ask this question, how much more is that to be with me? Because of the light of life, right? Amen? How much more is that to be with me? And anyone else of, of us who claim to follow Christ. But now I want to share with you the ache in my heart. The fracture in my heart. I have seen some of the most unkind, selfish, harsh, entitled people claim Christ as Savior and recite holiness doctrine from memory. And here's my question. Here's the question that's in my heart. How can that be? Don't you think we need to ask that, anyone? How can that be? I, I need to ask that. How can that be? Now hear me, this isn't an indictment. This is a confession. Because how many times have I not reflected the light of Christ in me to the world? And here's the beauty of this. This isn't about being guilt-producing. I'm not trying to guilt you into something. I'm trying to help us all recognize we have the light of life in us. And when that is operational, when we let that happen, wow, hope through us, and holiness comes out. I ask myself, has our faith become stale? Just a stale religious activity? Am I culturally Christian? But actually in the depth of my desires, more aligned by the darkness of the world and the light of life? Is the light of life penetrating my life, turning me from darkness to light, where the focus is on, we heard it, Find out what pleases the Lord and do that. 
And it, it's not like in big things that that happens. It's in the little things and relationships and choices. This past summer, our friend and former parishioner, some of you know, Sharin, visited. She came with her daughter, her youngest daughter, Rihanna. And, and her daughter was making her pre-college trip, very interesting trip. I remember, and maybe you do, when that little girl was born, she struggled with a heart condition. And the diagnosis was potentially grim. I mean, she's uh, going to be a freshman in college. So this is 16 years ago, 17, 17 years ago, right? During that time, the church, this church, stood with this family. But God also did something else in a different way. You see, Reuben and Sharin are from India. And they were often treated differently because they look differently. Sharin said this to me in my driveway. And I paraphrase. The church welcomed us and loved us and never saw us as different. Now here it comes. Here it comes. The church changed my life. Put your name in there. You were some of the good people that made a difference in Rubens and my life. She went on to tell me that some of the things she learned from here, she took back to India. And she actually ended up training some of her friends in India. And some of the things she learned here. And here's the greatest thing, the whole, the, the whole thing. The, the girls, were t they were little when they left. And they were too young to remember. But Sharin has told the stories of love to her daughters. So much so that that now soon-to-be college freshman held up the picture of me dedicating her. Just like I was shown today. And this little girl who really didn't know me knows me, knows us. What's that about? That's the light of the world. That's the light of his presence. Let me speak these words, hear them. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not an automatic pilot thing. It's a life of union with him. It's a life of relationship with him. It's a life of interacting with him. It's a life of participating with him. It's a life of movement with him. In him we live and we move and we have our beings. This light from Jesus for our lives is intended to be the light of Jesus through our lives. And I think that's a great definition of holiness, quite frankly. You can stack up all the theological definitions of holiness and I could do that. But I think this is a great definition. This light from Jesus for our lives is intended to be the light of Jesus through our lives. Frank Laubach said it this way, the simple program of Christ for winning the whole world is to make each person he touches magnetic enough with love to draw others. <laughs> kind of a cool word picture, right? You're walking along, all of a sudden people start attaching themselves to you. <laughs> 
Because the magnetism of the love of Jesus, not your love, but the love of Jesus through you and me. Bernard Claveau put it this way, and this is so good. You want to know how to get your faith on red hot for God? How the light of the world gets implemented? Listen to what Claveau says, Bernard Claveau. Faith dies when love departs. Are you a Christian? Live like Christ and your faith will live. Love will vitalize your faith and the things you do will demonstrate it. You should take that quote and live with that, with me. Love will vitalize your faith. And again, we've said it before, we're not talking about some kind of emotional mushiness here, right? Love is strong. Love is so strong it thinks of the other first and sacrifices. And love seeks to love deeply and well. Love, that love will vitalize your faith. The love of Christ will vitalize your faith and the things you do will demonstrate it. A hopeful holiness of life that is intended to propel us outside ourselves, outward to others. This hope in Jesus leads to surrender to Jesus and there discovering this hopeful, life-changing light of life. That's why he came. He does not want us lost into darkness. He wants a hopeful life for us all. And in that hope, we become lights ourselves of his life. The three of us stood on the Cribstone Bridge between Bailey Island and Orr Island at the end of the summer. It was after 9 o'clock. It was just dark. And if you've ever been in the darkness in the main skies, when it's really dark, you can see those stars. And we stood on the bridge between the two, and we just looked up. And we just could not stop looking up and seeing the stars. They were so bright, in fact, that my little iPhone got a perfect picture of the Big Dipper. I thought about that night. As we looked at the stars shining in their magnificent glory, and I ask myself, is my life shining with hope in the night sky of the world because of the light that is life within me? Jesus. Now how you ask and answer that question is different than how I'm going to. But we need to ask the question. Because the light of life in Jesus wants to live in us. And if you're here today and you've never made a conscious response to this beautiful truth of the light of life, I invite you today to simply pray that prayer. Jesus, be the light of my life. And if you're here and you're, and you're struggling through the darkness, I invite you today, bring the darkness to Jesus. Oh God of my everything, oh God my delight. Because the truth is, 
He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Our worship team is going to join us this morning. As I said earlier, um, we're not going to sing a closing prayer that says, oh Jesus, do this in me, or Jesus, help me do this. Or, No, we're going to sing the song, How Great Is Our God. Because the truth is, the truth is, I can't manufacture this. Whatever religious pedigree I have, can't do it. All the knowledge in the world isn't going to do it. But it's us letting Jesus Christ, the living Christ, work in our lives. It's when we get focused on Him that He changes us not by some magical formulation that I create. And he meets us. Remember that light, boring power of Christ, boring through the darkness, just like the first day of creation. Let there be light, and then there was light. And chaos was eliminated and order was brought to bear and his light praise God wants to order our lives he wants to deliver us from our disordered attachments and affections he wants to invite us to actually live this life so we're going to sing how great is our God and then Jamie will close us in prayer but today, rather than focus on your darkness, my darkness, the darkness of a world, I invite you to focus on him, the light, and ask his light to fill your life and my life as we leave here today. Let's stand together.